Welcome back, everyone, to episode number four of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Wessling, and I am joined with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness. Uh, and we are very excited for this week as we will be covering our thoughts, prediction, and preview for the Cyhawk game against Iowa. So just a quick bullet points for a couple things we're going to go over. Uh, we'll give a short recap of both Iowa State and Iowa's games from week one. Uh, some injury updates for both teams, uh, Iowa State's key to victory, and then our predictions and final thoughts. So we're going to get things going by starting off uh, with how Iowa State went last week. Now, obviously, for those who uh, tuned into Episode 3, you guys kind of got the more in-depth, uh, I guess, our thoughts on that uh, Game 1 versus Southeast Missouri State. But again, Iowa State won 42-10 um, and just... Talking about the guys that really stood out was Deckers and Hutch. Uh, Brandon, what, I guess, again, brief thoughts about last week. Yeah, you couldn't really have expected much more out of the offense, definitely. I think defensively, there's definitely some room for improvement, more so than the offense. But I think there wasn't really any big things that we're looking to improve other than maybe rush, pass rush, and running, stopping the run. So those are really the main things coming out of week one, for Iowa State at least. Yep, and then going to our opponent for week two. Um, obviously, for those who do not know, Iowa won seven to three over South Dakota State. Um, seven to three. You would think they got a touchdown. Nope. It was a field goal and two safeties. So clearly, the, the defense um, won them the game and was the only reason they won the game. Honestly, uh, they held uh, South Dakota State to 120 total yards, 87 through the air, and 33 on the ground. And then obviously, they not only held them to three points but they outscored South Dakota State and their own team's offense uh, with putting up four points uh, and two safeties a couple quick bullet points I had was South Dakota State was three of 16 on third down over one on fourth of the defense and then the defense recorded uh, eight tackles for loss five quarterback hurries and four sacks and then like I said two safeties and then running at the defense their all-american linebacker Jack Campbell led the way with 11 tackles and was uh, one of the guys who got uh, one of the safeties. So so a couple of big things coming out of that game, for me at least, was South South Dakota State didn't turn the ball over in the traditional ways, which kept them in the game, but the two safeties obviously are kind of the margin of a turnover. Yeah. But no fumbles or interceptions, which is kind of how you play the game against Iowa and keep it close. But obviously 4.4 yards per pass for Iowa and 3.3 for South Dakota State, so it was just a very boring Iowa-ish kind of game so not a ton to take from that game and obviously with the recap of both of these week one's games it's just you can kind of throw everything out the window you see a little bit of everything but who really knows on what to expect coming into week two obviously neither opponent was stellar obviously South Dakota State was a little better than Southeast Missouri but nothing too extravagant from either teams on the offensive or defensive side yeah, and then some quick bull points again that I had for Iowa's offense, or I guess what was there of the offense. Uh, like I said, Iowa's offense was not good, and that's being generous. Uh, Spencer P. Trash went 11 for 25 for 109 yards at a pick. Uh, their lead back was LeSean Williams. Uh, he had 24 carries for 72 yards, so only three yards a carry. And then Arlen Bruce was the number one receiver, kind of, I mean, yes, and we'll get into some injuries about why he was, but he was their number one receiver. He had five catches for 68 yards, 
And then Petrus also used uh, Sam Laporta and the running back Williams as his other main two weapons. So obviously when you only put up 109 yards through the air, um, you're not going to have a ton of targets. And basically all of that went to Bruce. Um, but he really only looked at three guys. So Yeah, nonetheless, he was sailing a lot of his passes. Yeah. So I think there could have been a lot more there, obviously, if the quarterback game was a little bit improved. But nonetheless, they were banged up at receiver and tight end. So that definitely played into the low-scoring offense and lack of yardage for the offense. Yeah. And then before we kind of get into our actual preview for the game, again, we kind of went over some brief recaps. We're going to quickly touch on the injury updates uh, for Iowa State. The only main one I could find was Cardavius Norton. Uh, it came out that he was doubtful today from Coach Campbell. Um, it's most likely a hamstring injury. Again, it, it hasn't been said exactly, but that's where he was grabbing as he kind of hobbled off the field, um, which kind of sucks. Although, like we've been talking about, Iowa State's running back is super deep. Yeah, if you got three other guys there, so it's not really a concern depth-wise or starting job-wise. It's just kind of that extra punch, and he's definitely somebody that can match the physicality of the Iowa defense. So that would have been nice to have in game two, but definitely not a necessity. Yeah, and then going over some of the main Iowa ones, uh, so two receivers on this list, Keegan Johnson, who was listed as their number one coming into the year, uh, did not play last week, and it looks like will not be playing again this week as he was not on there too deep. And he's a game changer. He's yeah. the only guy on Iowa's offense, maybe other than Laporta, that defensive coordinators really have to game plan around as he actually has some speed and can get in the space and create plays for Iowa. Yep, and then another receiver on this list is Nico Regani. Um, again, not like a stellar receiver, but nonetheless still one that had a ton of experience. Um, I don't know if Bruce is like their real number two or if that's like a battle between Regani or Bruce like coming into the season. Um, but like your three wide receivers that you would have expected to see this week is would, would have been Keegan Johnson, Nico Regani, and and Arlen Bruce, two of those guys being out um, to Iowa State's benefit. Um, and then a couple quick defensive guys, Justin Jacobs, he had five tackles last week as a linebacker, uh, got hurt, and looks like he's probably not going to play. And then Jamari Harris, uh, he was not on their week two too deep, and he was suspended last week, um, but is eligible to play, but again, was not on the too deep depth chart for Iowa. So a couple question marks there. Uh, but those are just the overall injuries. We'll keep that nice and short. And now to get into the big chunk of the episode, um, our predictions and our preview for this game. So I'll toss it over Brandon to get it started. So obviously when you're going into this game, emotions are running very high. <laughs> but it's important to remember this is not a must win for the Iowa State team nor the Iowa team. It doesn't count towards your conference record or a spot in your conference championship game. It just kind of feels like a must win, right? Yeah. So. It's just a game towards bowl eligibility and that kind of thing, but really you're looking still to get more freshman and underclassmen reps. You want to win the game, but it's absolutely not must-win situation where you're throwing everything out there and playing guys through injuries. Obviously both teams are kind of banged up and mm-hmm. down to in the depth chart, so some twos and threes that are underclassmen. But um, overall it's just looking at, spreading the field the teams in the past for Iowa State that have had success against Iowa have really spread the field and opened up the run game through the pass game unlike last year yeah that actually goes greatly and I kind of have five bullet main bullet points for how Iowa State could beat Iowa that first one is stretching the field and you hit it on the spot Uh, I was listening to Chris Williams on the way back from the game uh, and Jack 
Jack Whitfer, and they were talking about this and how you said, like, the teams that have beat Iowa in the past have that ability to spread the field. And I'm not going to, like, you can't go out and say that Iowa State's roster, like, I'm not saying our roster over the last, like, three, four years has not been good because we've had plenty of guys who are now just getting into the NFL. I think the talent level is pretty much the same. It's just experience is lacking for yeah, both definitely. Iowa and Iowa State this year. Yeah, and I think, like, last year was really the, you know, the the talent had the experience, and that's why it was expected to be so good. Um, but, like, when, when you look at a team like last year, or honestly, if with, you know, if the COVID season was still like a full thing with non-con, um, I still feel like Iowa State could have won that. But also, like, their play style is, I guess what I'm trying to get into, is not, was not built to beat Iowa. No, and this is a major thing going into this game is you can't fall into the Iowa trap of field position battle. Yeah. Tori Taylor is going to pin you deep. That's just how it is. Every drive expect is expect like start. inside the ten almost every exactly. time. Exactly, expect to be right on your goal line within a safety reach, like they yeah. had against yeah. South Dakota State with two of them, which is just bizarre. But yeah. you can't fall into that game, and honestly, you don't really need to score a ton of points to win. So you just no. got to be aggressive. Hopefully, get some strikes over the top. And one of the big things that I'm looking to see in this game is seeing actually the field goal range, which is kind of a lame thing to say going into this game. You want to see touchdowns and everything, yeah. but I mean, that, but that's Missouri, like that's like that. I mean, to beat Iowa though, like it's never going to be a flashy win. No, you're not going to win fifty-two fifty. No, even though we saw that game in whatever it was seventeen, and it was like in the high forties. Yeah. That was just that 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 one is a outlier. But I mean, like to your point, like obviously, like this is a game that I'd be shocked. If it's more than a touchdown for whoever wins, I'd be, like, genuinely shocked if whoever wins wins by more than seven. Like, this is a very, like, one to, like, four-point range for me. Yeah, definitely. I think you need more, no more than 24 to win the game, honestly. 21 could even be, 21. like, if you get, like, three touchdowns, I'd be if, if Iowa State scores three touchdowns on Saturday, I'd be shocked if they're not 2-0. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and really it's just coming out of the game injury-free. At this point, after the game, you're looking towards Ohio, which shouldn't be too big of an issue. If it is, we got other problems to talk <laughs> about. But you're looking at that Baylor game the next week, and you want to come out of this game very much major injury-free. Hopefully you get a guy like Norton back. And on one other thing I want to do address in this early segment, ESPN gives Iowa State a 58.7 chance to win. Which is kind of shocking. That doesn't make any sense to me. Considering, like, it's at – I mean, like, either way, like, I know that every year is different, but – there's something to say. Like, when you beat a team six times in a row, like, you know. They just – they have our number right now, and it just doesn't make any sense at home in a sellout. Yeah. That, week two. Like, week one doesn't mean and, a lot. And this Iowa team is going to be pissed. Oh, I mean, absolutely. like, the media is has been chewing on them. They're going to keep going after them for how the – like, the offense performed. They only beat – I mean, again, credit to South Dakota State. They're a very good FCS school, but there I said it. It's an FCS school nonetheless. Right. And you beat them by four – at your home stadium and your offense accumulates only like 160 yards and gets three points. Yeah, and it's really just a mental game for them, honestly. When your crowd is booing you, yeah, that does something to your ment- mental confidence. P- Petrus's confidence has got to be about shot at this point. Yeah. So I think definitely one of the major things we're looking at for the Iowa offense is you're probably going to see two quarterbacks Yeah. in a very different system. As Padilla can run more than Petrus, which isn't saying a whole lot. Yeah. But it just brings out another guy in the run game. So 
it's just another thing to look out for. Personally, I'd love to see Petrus out there. Yeah, we're not going to complain. One dimensional. Yeah, exactly. When to predict Iowa's offense, it's not super easy. I mean, they keep it pretty simple. It's just zone one every time or a dump off to the tight end. So when you get a guy like Padilla in there that can run the ball a little bit, it just presents another obstacle for the newly arranged Iowa State defense. Yeah, and to kind of like round out the whole stretch of the field thing, like 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 we were talking about earlier, like this Iowa State team is just built in a better way. Like not to say, like 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 again, we said this earlier. Iowa State's roster has been super talented, but like in the past years, like when you run jumbo sets with three tight ends and you motion down to the last second of the play clock and then you run an inside zone against a defensive line that is miles better than your offensive line. I mean, I know you have I mean, I, I get that we had Brees Hall, but like when you play a very slow tempo game, you're playing jumbo sets where Iowa can stack the box. When you have a quarterback that can't really unleash the deep ball unless it's like just wide open, which it never was. Yeah. Like you can't beat Iowa that way. And the other thing too, and again, we'll get into this later is turnovers. Like you cannot like that's the reason like Iowa State hasn't won a lot in the previous years. Like we played Iowa style and Iowa obviously know how to play their own game better than 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 us. Nine zero turnover margin since twenty fifteen. Yeah, and that that is a huge You're not bullet point games. we're gonna get into yeah. later. But yeah, like I said, stretching the field, like you have to just be able to take a shot. Like if it's incomplete, whatever, but it it, it makes Iowa aware. Absolutely. And it makes them respect it. Like and there can be a couple times, you know, you might not get a completion, but you throw a deep ball at the top, P.I. and Dimitri Stanley, boom, that's 15 yards. Exactly, and especially since last year, their safeties were just sitting at 20 yards. Yeah. And say, Brock, throw it over the top of us. You can't. Yeah. And frankly, we didn't have a deep threat that year. Yeah. Because Noel was a freshman, and he's not at the confidence or strength that we saw he is now. Yeah. And X, can he could run it, but... He's not, he's not like, okay... He's not going to be like a guy, like, I mean, we still know this. Like, he's not a take-the-top-off-your-defense-speed kind of guy. No. Like, he's got, like, good speed, but it's not, like, great. But, like, in terms of, like, a deep threat, like, yes, he's really good in terms of jump ball and separation. But, he like, he was never a guy that's going to get behind the defense. And you saw him get behind the defense one time last year and in the second quarter. Pick. And Brock was a couple seconds late, which can't happen on him as yeah. a senior. But he was a couple seconds late, and that's a pick, and it leads to an Iowa touchdown, and... That's kind of when the avalanche started for them. Yeah. So really just having that deep threat. If you're going to miss the throw, just have it be a deep. sale. Yeah. And that's kind of why Iowa keeps him in the game. With Petrus, he always overthrows. Yeah. And it doesn't create as big of mistakes, even though it might be more mistakes. Yeah. And then very similar to stretching the field, my next big bullet point is running tempo. Now, funny how we're even talking about this right now, because like like we said earlier, Iowa State was a – you know, look look at Campbell for a majority of the play clock and then get up to the line of scrimmage, tell your play. We're going to motion a tight end over to one side and that, then the other tight end is going to come back to the other and boom, we're snapping at the last second. Two and seconds left on the clock, yeah. so it's just really bizarre to be talking about tempo. But it we, really we saw is. it. Yeah, it, it, we saw it the first two drives in the first yeah. game, so it's really just that. And with the tempo set, you can kind of quiet the crowd early, which is going to be a big factor here. Yeah. You can't be getting into this game where it's 3-0 in the second quarter. Yeah. you got to start fast, kind of like we talked about going into Southeast Missouri. It's just a much greater appointment. So it's just get going early and try to quiet the crowd and make smart decisions from Deckers early on. That's kind of a big piece. You can't be turning the ball over in the first quarter. That's setting yourself up for a whooping. Yeah. 
And, like, and another thing in terms of, like, running tempo, like, an- another big reason I think I was had a lot of success is, like, when you let them make their adjustment and I was sitting and waiting for the play to happen, like, all their adjustments off, the guys are in place, and they're just waiting for the play to happen. You're, I mean, you're doomed. It's a top three defense. It is. And they have the talent now. Yeah. They're secondary especially is just absolutely loaded yeah and then you have an all-american linebacker in jack campbell and it's just like i was just really good so like when you give them time to adjust like you're you're asking to like i mean it just good things aren't gonna happen a ton and like i just think like like running tempo like again if you run tempo and it's an incompletion whatever but Mm. like at least you're you're making you can't let iowa's defense like get set and you make them just play on the field you know what i mean and you can't be predictable even when you're inside the five which is going to happen for majority of the drives you can't be predictable you still got to run run the ball and pass the ball effectively because when iowa gets you in an obvious pass or run situation it's over they're going to eat you alive and that's kind of what happened last year we always got down inside the 10 and we're just trying to hand the ball off to Brees hall and then boom he fumbles yeah game's over yeah so you really just got to protect the ball and try to be a little more creative and aggressive in your play calling yeah, so those were my two big, like, in terms of what Iowa State, like, I guess offensively needs to do. Now, top, now flipping to the defensive side, I had two big points. First one, force Iowa to throw the ball. Now, I know that they're running back only at 70, 72 yards at three yards per carry, but it doesn't matter. Uh, like, this, like, I, I, I love the 3-3-5. Three, the three, three, like, it's worked beautifully. It works but in the in, Big 12. Yes, but in the team, ver- like, like Iowa... Haycock's got like he like he's never done this like what like he still does this and it's the 3d line front but then he'll just like his linebackers are closer into the box but that's still not the same thing whereas like like I don't know like why every now and then you can't run a 4d line front like will and you know like a guy like Blake Peterson or MJ Anderson on the inside or on the outside but then you get guys like Isaiah Lee and J.R. Singleton on the inside or Isaiah Lee and Dominique Orange like you have the guys that are built to stuff the run. Like, Iowa has been great on the ground against us. And, like, not to say we haven't had talented defensive lines. Like, when you have a D-line that's Will McDonald, Isaiah Lee, and any Wazirike, those are three really good players. But it's still a three-verse-five, and when they have multiple tight ends or, a, like, a fullback, like, you're very outmatched. It doesn't matter if your linebackers are in the box. And I know we're going to be asking for four-man front, and we're really never going to see it. But I, I, I really just need Iowa State to – I would love to see that happen. And those three guys you listed definitely aren't built up for the size of the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, like, look at Will. Like, he's a, he's a really weird guy in terms of his size. Like, a great college linebacker. Because, like, even though he's listed as, like, a defensive end right he's now – He's an outside linebacker. He's, yeah, in the NFL, if he's looking to get drafted, he's going to be placed there unless he gains a ton of weight. Yeah, I mean, and even then, like, he still needs more weight to become a linebacker in the NFL. Correct, yeah. But either way, like, he's not a guy that's, like, against, like, an Iowa offensive lineman in terms of, like, in the run game, that's where he really struggles. Um, But, you know, again, like, that's why I would love to see Iowa State, like, at least run, like, a double, like, like a nose tackle and a D tackle. Because, like, when you have a guy with Dominic Orange who's 350 pounds, that matches Iowa's offensive line size. Yeah, and he's he's definitely very raw right now. Yeah. But he can match the size, and he can be a huge run stopper. He's definitely a guy to watch in this game up front. If you're just watching that center against Orange when he's in, if the center is getting pushed on him, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. If the center is getting pushed on Isaiah Lee, it's going to be a long day. 
So that's a really big thing to watch because even though they only averaged what three point three yards a carry or whatever yeah, it I was, think, I know what, like their their primary running back, like I said, he had three yards a carry. But Iowa as a team, give me a sec. Iowa as a team averaged one point six yards per carry. Yeah, so I wasn't even close on that one. But obviously, South Dakota State probably has a line pretty similar to us size wise. Yeah, but so but just, but again, but what did they do? They ran. 40 linemen, and they still probably get their linebackers in the box. You just got to bring in a little more blitzes if yeah. you're not going to go to the four-line set, which it, 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 not it's not going to happen. It's but just, we, 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 can, we can sit here and dream, but we know it's not going to happen. It's just a nice thing to have on your wish list at one point or another, just bring out the four linemen against Iowa, and that could lead into like, a just state like, Yeah, just like, like QB Sneaks. That's one thing that's been on our wish list for God knows how oh long. Or just, just getting under center on a short yard and dis- down a distance. But anyway, that's, that's something for another day, but... <laughs> And I think, like, not only, like, we know Iowa's strength is running the ball, but, and here's one thing I'll say. Like, yes, Iowa's offense was just missing. That, like, that, that's the best way to put it. It was atrociously bad to say that it was missing. But, and obviously, like, their strength is running the ball, but, like, make them throw the ball. Like, don't expect Iowa's offense to be as poor as it was last week because it's going to be better, like, it's a game that, you know, a lot of the players... I mean, you don't want to win every game, but, like, this one just has a different meaning, and they're like I said, they're going to get chewed on by the press all week. Like, Iowa's offense is not going to be as bad as it was last week. There's no chance that they score seven points again. No, that, and, and even that, it was seven, but it was four by the defense. I don't know the last time a Power 5 team didn't put up two touchdowns, or a touchdown in two games. Yeah. It's got to be a very, very long time, so that's not going to happen. You're looking for them to score... Probably seventeen to twenty range would be my guess. Yeah, and if if somehow our defense is like very locked down, you could see somewhere fourteen to seventeen, like keep them at a minimum. And the depth for our defense really has to step up in this game, yeah. especially matching the physicality. You're not going to be able to do that, so you're just got to keep bringing those guys in. That's what happened in Southeast Missouri State game was we saw a ton of rotation on every position, and it was really big to get those guys reps in that game so they can fill in in a game game like Iowa where there's a little more stakes. Yeah, uh, so my second big defensive bullet point is make Petrish or Padilla uncomfortable. Now, the main thing is going into this game, I think we still expect to see Spencer Petrish. If he's, like, again, awful and, you know, you see us up at halftime, expect a switch to Padilla. Like, Ference is wants, like, wants to get seven in a row. I mean, that's exactly. And with Padilla, if he comes out there, you got to send pressure right away. Yep. But it's got to be contained strike pressure. Blitz up the middle. Yeah, stuff he like, can actually move. Yeah, like we saw, like, I think maybe one blitz la- la- last week for yeah. us. But, again, it was Freeler coming from the star up the middle, and it should have caused a pick. Um, but, you know, he he got a quarterback pressure, uh, really a quarterback hit, forced the ball to sail in the air, and, again, we should have had the interception. But, nonetheless, like, you need if – like, it's just making them uncomfortable because, like, like you said earlier, like – Petrus, he threw like he sailed a lot of balls, Absolutely. and a lot of that was due to pressure. I mean, he had some where he just straight up sailed them when he didn't have pressure. But like, you have to make them uncomfortable, and that doesn't necessarily mean blitzes. But one big thing that that we wanted to see that we want to see improved is overall pressure from the D line. Now we said this last on the last episode, we felt like Haycock's defensive game plan was very vanilla, as and, it should have been. Yeah. So expect more blitzes, but nonetheless, you still, like, Will's going to get doubled. It's going to happen. 
As, yeah. And like, and that's that's if you're Iowa, you should do that, and you could honestly throw a running back at him and triple him, like, because you need to force, like, if you're Iowa, you need to force us to get that, like, losing any means we need a guy to step up out as that outside edge to win their one on ones, and we didn't really see that last week, and again. I think a big guy we talked about early in terms of like episode two was Blake Peterson. Not, a, I mean, not a lot from anyone, but the one guy that kind of got a little spark was MJ Anderson, transfer from Minnesota, number three. He kind he had the quarterback dead to rights on one time. He let it slip, but in terms of the guy that really got to the quarterback the most on that on that offside of Will was MJ. So I'd love to see a lot more of MJ Anderson on that outside. Um, but if if it's not him, I don't care who it is. But someone. The D-line as a whole needs to generate pressure. Will's going to get pressure today. I feel like he just, he didn't really, not say that he wasn't trying, but he wasn't Will. He wasn't the same guy as we saw last year in a lot of the games. And yeah, and it's not to say that he's regressed. It's just, it's it's not like the same as the Will that we saw in Big 12 play. And overall, as much as we've been trashing Petrus throughout the episode, he's a power five quarterback. If you give him all day in the pocket, he he's going to make a throw. Yeah, he's not terrible. And, and our, like... And not and again, the, our secondary with yes, lots of talent, but again, still inexperienced and pretty young. They're not cover corners. Like we haven't like at least as of now, we haven't seen a guy that's gonna like lock down a guy. Like Anthony Johnson was really that guy that we depended on, and obviously he's still in that secondary, but he's not a corner anymore. You know, he's a safety, and he's kind of gonna take away that deep stuff and like help out, but. And that's another thing, and we can get we don't have to talk about a lot of this, but I'm very curious to see what Haycock does with AJ playing a safety now. Yeah. But that that's whatever. But again, we don't know of a cornerback right now that's a lockdown guy. So if you don't generate any pressure, a guy's gonna find a spot in the zone. Like that's just gonna happen. Yeah, and you have to miss horribly to miss a guy that's wide open, especially in the zone defense when there's yeah. not a guy chasing you. It's like okay, he's gonna make the throw. And that leads into my last key that I have written down here is just getting off the field on third downs and staying disciplined. Yeah. Because if you keep giving up, like we've seen in the past with a lot of Iowa State defenses, if you give up long third downs, that is absolutely deflating. Yeah. And especially in a game like this when you're on the road in a hostile environment, you can't have that happen. No, and I think a big, at least, I mean, there's been plenty of games where this happened, but one that at least in terms of the Iowa game that really stuck out to me from last year, it was probably like six minutes or so in the second half and Iowa was back kind of deep in, 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 uh, in their own territory and it's a third and 16 and they convert and they end up getting a touchdown. You know, obviously Iowa State ended up also getting a touchdown to end the half. Um, but Iowa converted a third and 16 and what they do, they went and scored a touchdown. You cannot give a team that's this poorly offensively second chances. And just piggybacking off of what you just said, that last drive of the first half last year, guess what we did? Tempo. Crazy how that works against a team like Iowa where they're used to being in positions in the Big Ten where there's not snapping it until two seconds left on the play clock, much like we did last year, and it doesn't work. Yeah, and then you look at like the big play that, that sparked that drive. It was a deep crosser to Darren Wilson where you got a guy that's that was – you gave him the ball in space, and he took it all the way down inside the five, I think. And Wilson is another guy we didn't even mention in the last episode and, and this one yet. He looks like a whole different dude at yeah. wide receiver this year. He's healthy now. Different so, number. Different <laughs> number, which kind of we were like, who's number seven out there right now? Because even on the depth chart, I think he was still listed as 17. But, yeah, I think, like, and honestly, you know, this is we're kind of swaying away from the defense a little bit. 
uh, very quickly. But like, you, like we knew that Hutch and Noel was going to be one and two. But we saw three guys that looked not bad. I mean, like you said, Wilson has become a new receiver. We have the the take the top off the defense speed in Demetrius Stanley, and and honestly, like we said, apologies to Sean Shaw. He looks a lot better. Yeah, we okay. We both apologize. <laughs> yeah. Sean Shaw is a whole different receiver. He catches the ball now, which is just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. As a wide receiver, I mean that was that's just crazy. But but he's like he's six six. Like again, if he becomes a guy that you can throw a fade to, although I'm not a huge fade guy in general. Especially in a game like this, don't put up a fifty-fifty ball. Especially like, not against Iowa's DBs, yeah. but it, with a guy like Shaw, when you got six-six against a guy like Riley Moss, which is he's like five, ten, five, eleven, yeah, he's not six yeah. foot. Like when you have like six inches on the guy, exactly. You gotta try it at least once, and that comes back to just put the ball where our guy can catch it, and they can. Yeah. If that if you sail it into the fifteenth row, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but if it's underthrown, well, you that's see it where you last trouble. Year. And yeah. I think, and again, another big one that comes to mind is Big Twelve Championship two years ago. Uh, Iowa State was, I think, they were still down seventeen nothing, and it was it was after. I mean, I'm sure people know this. It was the play that Campbell freaked out. It was you know the jump. Yeah, no, not yeah. And then you know Brock takes the QB draw all the way down inside like the ten yard line. And then Iowa State throws a fade to Kohler from the left hash to the right corner of the end zone. And that's like a almost impossible throw to make. But again, it was underthrown, and even though Kohler had the height against a smaller DB, a underthrown ball completely shifted. And you saw it again in the first game against Southeast Missouri. That was Decker's one pick. It was from the far hash to the other side of the field. Yeah, on right out hash route. on a force out route on the left side of the field. Like You can't have that against a guy like Riley Moss or Xavier Nwankba, So Yeah. Those are just the major things, and it's just really, for both offense and defense, no penalties. you yeah. got to play a clean game. You One play in Iowa style a little bit, just not stylistically on the offensive play climb style of things, and just rushing more than three, that's the major things. Yeah, and like, and I think, like, again, when we talked about earlier running tempo, you got to run tempo, but the thing is, like, it's going to be freaking loud. Expect it. No false starts. Don't. Shoot yourself in the foot. Don't push yourself back. Like, like I'm not going to lie. Ten yards against an Iowa defense and three downs is tough. If you give up ten yards in the same possession, you're not going to score. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Once you get into, like, a sec- second and 12 situation, or if you the ever odds get, like, are against you. That being said, this year's offense prevents that a little more. Yeah. But nonetheless, you can't be getting on to, like, these delay a game things where you're just – this is where the lack of the experience plays into things, especially in this game, is – you're gonna. It's gonna be very loud. You gotta look at the play clock. You gotta be sure everybody's set. You gotta be on the same snap count. It's just playing a clean game against Iowa. Yeah, and this is something we didn't touch on earlier, but it's something very small. Obviously, we talked about stretching the field, which needs to happen, but you cannot become one dimensional. Now, I'm not expecting like if we could get like 50 yards on the ground, that's fine for me. But you have to like you can't let Iowa like if it's like a complete shift. Where, like, like last year, like, you know, Iowa played in the box to stop Brees. If we're very one-dimensional in terms of passing game, they're still going to have the advantage. So you have to be able to at least get, like, three to four yards of carry and enough to make them respect both parts of your game. Yep, and you got to use 
the running backs we have for their purpose. Use the speed guys in space and use yeah, guys make, like Brock like Make, up make the them middle. go to the outside. Like a guy like Sanders, make him go to the outside or use him as a dump off or a screen in the receiving game. And Silas is going to get beaten alive and he runs <laughs> up the middle. So just keep him healthy. Let him run to the outside. Maybe set up a screen for him if nothing else is working in the passing game. So it's just really play to the guy's strengths and play to your offense's strengths. Set up the run with the pass game, not the other way around. Yeah. And then the final bullet point we have, and this is very short, but the most important, win the turnover battle. You do not beat Iowa if you, like, there's very small times that Kirk Ferentz, like, loses a game where he wins the turnover battle. It's very few and far between. I think one against Purdue in the last five years is one of the only externalities there so it's really just you got to win the turnover battle and for that to happen we have to create a freaking turnover yeah it's not it's not just it's not just we keep like yes you need to protect the ball but like what was the stat you said we haven't forced a turnover and how many like nine and zero since 2015 yeah and like you haven't forced turnover in six seven years part of me says it's due but a lot of it is stylistically defensive guys have got to be there and that's this isn't only offense and defense; it's special teams, like we've seen yeah. a lot. You got to no running in your own guys on the punt. <laughs> Sorry to mention it. No block punts. None of that crazy stuff that can happen in Iowa. Or even stuff those. like you look back at eighteen. Corey Dunn like shanked like three punts. You cannot give Iowa a short field. Make their offense work because it's not that good. So make them work. Make them work and. Especially with a new kicker, new punter, it just terrifies me going into this game. This is part of what made my prediction pretty easy to make, honestly, going into the game, is we just have so many unknowns, question marks on our team this year. Going into a game where you have to be clean and you have to be nearly perfect to win the game, it's just going to be hard with all these new guys. Yeah. So, kind of getting to the end of the episode, guys, our final thoughts and predictions. Uh, We have not only a score prediction, but a uniform prediction that Brandon wants to get going, which I can completely get behind. Now, but quickly before we kind of get into a couple of those predictions, uh, I will say, I think this is a more than winnable game, but it's going to come down to the turnover battle. I mean, I truly think... I know it's only one week and we played Southeast Missouri State, but after seeing the way that the, that the Iowa State offense worked, and I'm not going to say that this Iowa State defense is going to be like a top two defense in the Big 12 like it's been the last couple of years under Haycock. Haycock will still have his defense under control. Like It's still going to be a good defense, and if like, like, we, like we talked about earlier, you get off on third downs, Haycock is going to limit the damage of Iowa. But, man, I seriously feel like this is a game where Iowa State can snap the streak um, but overall, like we said, the main bullet point of this game, you got to win the turnover battle. And again, that doesn't mean it's 0-0. You need to have a 1 for Iowa, at least. Absolutely. And more than anything in this game, it's really just be a little bit more unpredictable. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. Even, like, they're expecting Deckers to throw a wild ball that's going to get picked off. Yeah. You got to play smart, but you also got to play aggressive because you're not going to win against Iowa by playing conservative and running the ball. So that really just leads into our predictions, I think, right? Yeah. Well, I guess do let's do the uniform first. Okay. We, we need a little spice. Okay. We'll lighten things up before the predictions, <laughs> I guess. My uniform prediction is red, white, red. Ugh. I mean, you're probably not I hate wrong. Hate it, but okay. it is what it is. But here, here's one thing I'll potentially maybe throw in. Green. Yeah, green. I was actually thinking brown. Okay. Um, Will be by the end of the game. <laughs> but, like, K- 
Campbell kind of has this thing where if he beats a team in a certain jersey, he wears it. If he loses to them in that jersey, he doesn't wear it. So we've worn all whites when 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 uh, we've been at Kinnick. That was like the forty-two to three game. Then we wore red, white, red the last time we were there, which is eighteen, which is really weird to think. But because of COVID, it, the COVID season, you know, and we lost in that. So although I could see red, white, red, and I and obviously my prediction is more of I don't want that to happen. I would love to see red, white, white. That's what I would love personally. I think we got a little bland last year. We've talked about it a lot. We wore red helmets like every game but one. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. I think just some more creativity would be good, but obviously it doesn't necessarily affect the game result as much as our <laughs> superstitions might believe us to yeah. be. But. So, big chunk, um, or the, the biggest thing, I'll give it over to Brandon for his score prediction. I have, I think, first of all, I'll explain myself before I give the prediction a little bit. You've got to be psychotic to predict Iowa State to win this game yeah. after the last six years. Yeah. The confidence of game one, I get it. It's game one. Well, and no one from either side should be cocky about this game. Like I, I like Absolutely I said, not. this game could be won by either team. I think it can be won by either team, and then you lean into the things that are the most predictable, like habits, like underclassmen playing, like a clean You're playing game, in Kinnick. Playing in Kinnick in front of a sold-out fan base. Obviously, you're going to be there, so you're going to carry our fan base, but... <laughs> yeah. I think they have you outnumbered a little bit. Maybe a tad. So my final prediction is going to be 20-13 to 13 Iowa. I think their offense bounces back a little bit. I think we can move the ball up and down the field and a couple turnovers or special teams things really hurt us in the end. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty close. Uh, I'm going to go with 23-17 Iowa as well. Um, again, I've said this. I think this is a game Iowa State can definitely win. Uh, but until Iowa State does it, I won't pick us to beat Iowa. And I think that like that that plays into the fact that we've lost six year or six games in a row, seven years. We we haven't won in seven years. But like I again, like you said, I think Iowa's offense can bounce back. And you know, I think it just it also comes down to all we said is who wins the turnover battle. And if you give Iowa short field, whether that's like we said, a shanked punt or a turnover. Or really anything, they're like Iowa capitalizes on that stuff, and unfortunately, I just like I could, I can see that stuff happening. Like it's you know, if you give them the ball at the forty yard line, they're gonna score. Yeah, it's just gonna happen. As would any team in the FBS, honestly. Yeah. So it's really just you gotta play a clean game. And honestly, I don't know if we're in the position right now. Could obviously the big thing with Iowa State is if we played them in week eleven we'd win. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually true or not. But that that but, that's our argument like every single year. Yeah. So just with our all of our underclassmen playing, we turned over most of the team last year. I just don't see us walking out of Iowa City with a win. It could happen, but yeah. I don't see it. I think it's it's like a seventy thirty Iowa win. Yeah, and like and like I said, like I would not be like okay, going into. Southeast Missouri State, like, before that game started, I would have told you I'd be shocked to see Iowa State come out of this game with a win. And and we talked about that in our first episode. Like, we said that Iowa and Texas felt like the two games that we felt like Iowa State could not walk out of with a win. But I'll tell you this. After seeing how this offense played, it's built to beat Iowa. Doesn't mean they will, but it has the potential, and it's built to beat Iowa. So... I think it's possible, but again, until it happens, I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes. Um, but it, sh- it should be a fun environment and a fun game. Yeah, you just we both said it. We were more confident coming out of game one, but that doesn't necessarily mean Confident that. but not cocky. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say, so I agree with that 100%. All 
Well, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, as you can see, we're, we had we a lot to say, and we're both really excited for uh, the Cyhawk game. As Brandon mentioned, I'll be there. Um, so it's it, it's just going to be a fun game, fun environment. And, you know, I think we're both, like we said, a little bit more optimistic about it. Um, and we're really excited for it. Yep, don't go in any fights over there. <laughs> I'll try my best. But uh, with that being said, you guys, uh, like like I said, hopefully you guys did enjoy. Make sure to, as always, go ahead and check out our Twitter. Um, at, it's at Side of the Storm. We kind of post some additional content over there. And then obviously just alerts of when podcasts are available. So make sure to go ahead and check that out. Uh, but until next time, guys, roll clones.